My name's Adele Onyango and welcome to another episode of Legally Clueless. No, seriously, I have no clue what I'm doing, but I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one. Hey you, welcome to episode 187 of Legally Clueless. If this is your first time listening to this podcast, I wanted to say, where have you been? But I will be nice and say welcome. <laughs> if this is not your first time, thank you so much for being part of the fam. Audio episodes like this go out every single Monday and we have our season three of our video series going on on our YouTube channel. I really think you should check it out. I am very proud of each and every person who has shared their story on the video series this episode this season rather different creatives just also speaking to like personal tough situations they've had to navigate that have influenced what they create and how they do it yeah i think these quite inspiring stories there in fact the most recent episode that went out today because i'm recording this on a friday is an episode that features my stylist brian babu who's a super awesome stylist here in kenya and man his story i i I didn't even know that some of the things he's doing today, he actually watched his late mom do way back in the day. So head over to our YouTube channel. The link to that is in the show notes, or you can watch it on our website, legallycleelessafrica.com. So I'm going to jump right into the song of the week. I've shared this song before, but I'm just in a mood where it's the one thing that's soothing me right now. It's one of my favorite pieces of art. I don't even consider it a song. I just think it's so well written. It's so perfect. (laughs) Like, I wish I could structure words like this. I just, I I think it's, it's something that just raises my frequency, to be quite frank, when I listen to it. And I'm in a zone where I need that. So I've been listening to it all morning. And I was just like, you know what, I'd prepared a different song of the week, but I'm gonna share this one again. (laughs) And of course, it's by Erica Badu, who I really just connect with her music a lot. And particularly this song, which is Out My Mind Just In Time. I feel like low-key, one of the missions of Legally Clueless is to indoctrinate you (laughs) to love this song. But I put a link to it in the show notes. It really does something soothing and healing for me. And I love how it's structured. It's like three parts of just such profound awesomeness ah and and if you love words like me when she sings it's hard to hear specific things she's saying so if you love words and if you don't think this is strange because it's something i do all the time look for the lyrics and read them i don't know i really like this song so there you go once again it's back (laughs) i also have to apologize i was called out by one of you on twitter for having not made the Legally Clueless playlist. It's it's just, imagine it's just laziness. (laughs) No other excuse. I'm going to, I'm going to work on that. I'm going to work on that and uh, I'm going to work on that, okay? (laughs) I know it would be great. I'm going, and maybe also low-key, I'm like second guessing. I don't want to put it out there because, you know, I'm going to like mix the different songs into different playlists because they don't all flow together. I don't want you to listen to it and just be like, he knew Jingagani. <laughs> oh, what stupidity is this? So I think I'm overthinking it a bit, but I'm going to get over that and I'm going to do it. Okay, good. So this is a different kind of episode. I have knots in my stomach because it's um a bit heavy. A bit. Oh, it's a lot heavy. <laughs> it's a lot heavy. And from the title, you've seen it's the Uncle Peter episode. And you're probably just like, 
who in the world is Uncle Peter? Somebody's uncle, well, mine. <laughs> My uncle Peter passed away a few days ago. So I'm actually recording this on a Friday, which if you're an OG member, you know, is strange. I record on Sundays, but I'm recording this on Friday because today is the day in between the funeral church service that was yesterday and tomorrow I travel home to uh, my ancestral home for the burial, Uncle Peter's burial. He's my mom's brother, my late mom's brother. My relationship with him was interesting. We would always have such witty exchanges. I think he was like the only adult who, when I was younger, thoroughly enjoyed back talk. If you grew up in your typical African home, you know. Let me not hear any back talk, but he seemed to enjoy it. And the wittier it was, the better. And I think we would always have that back and forth. That's something that remained constant in our relationship. He'd say something and I would like have a witty comeback and he'd have an even wittier comeback. <laughs> and it was it was something that was unique to the relationships I have with older adults in my life. Over the years, we disagreed on loads of things. There are things I, I wished he'd done differently and I would voice this to him. And some of them, when I look back, I think it was just like energy of youth and the restlessness of youth on my end. Although some things I think I had a good point. <laughs> and I would voice these things to him and he always had an answer. Always had an answer. We did go through some of our frustrating moments, like any relationship. But this year, this year relationship, transcended to a new level it became so much richer and closer in a very real way i found myself navigating a lot this year and it's funny how chaos can bring people back together almost like it has arrived to do good not that this is chaos's <laughs> silver lining no this was its intention it came to disrupt so that it could bring us back together and because of what i was navigating we spoke a lot and I remember one phone call we had earlier this year and I cried. I cried on the phone. In hindsight, this could possibly one be one of two times he's ever experienced me crying. The first being my mom's funeral and even then I can still remember his body language being like, oh, how do I fix this type of panic, you know? And so back to this phone call, I could tell it was kind of like breaking him that I was crying because it's the one time my very cool, calm and collected uncle sounded like he was panicking. He kept asking if I was alone, which I was. It was a Sunday, which are production days for me. So I'm usually alone working on Sundays. He asked if I wanted to come where he was. And I said no, because I was working. And when you run your own business in this strange Kenyan economy, you have to multitask. So you cry as you edit. And I remember he... We ended that phone call and he would call hourly. On one of these <laughs> hourly calls that day, he asked that I call my friends and go out and enjoy myself. And that when he would next call, there should be merrymaking in the background. And an hour or so passed, he called and it was as silent as a recording studio is. And we ended up having one of the most honest and beautiful conversations. And in hindsight, in that moment, I realized that he was a confidant in a manner that was very similar to my late mom's. After that call, Uncle Peter became the only person I could easily tell when I wasn't okay. I I think I've said this on the podcast before. I don't find it easy to 
publicly admit I'm not okay, like to tell others or to tell someone I need help or I need emotional support or this thing is stressing me. I don't know why, but I I battle with that. It was always so easy, you know, like when he asked, how are you? It was, it was not hard for me to say, I'm having a shit day. <laughs> it was not hard for me to say, actually, I'm really happy. I'm on the way to the airport or just done this. Like it, it was not hard to be truly honest about my emotional space with him. And he always had a quote to share <laughs> that would shed light on what it was I was feeling. And I love that because I love words and I love quotes, as you know. He also would monitor my Facebook page. I know, who's still on Facebook? Me, my public page. <laughs> and um, my older relatives. And he would not even hide that... <laughs> <laughs> his monitoring it and he would either share how proud he was of the things I was doing so if he saw me post work stuff on there he would share his funny displeasure when he saw a picture of me with those he deemed a certain electoral case to be opaque <laughs> if you're Kenyan or interested in Kenyan politics I think you understand that or he would correct my sentence construction sometimes I remember the last correction was a photo I put up of me at the French embassy in Kenya. And it was a, an official event I was at. So I'd taken a photo with the ambassador, etc. This was just like two months ago. And I shared it. And he said why I had abbreviated ambassador to AMB, which he hadn't seen. And he was like, this is not proper <laughs> sentence construction. What's happening here? And is it the embassy of... Um, the French embassy in Kenya or in Somalia because it's the French embassy in Kenya serves as both one for Kenya and Somalia. And it was so good because this is the first time his grammatical correction was wrong and I was right. <laughs> I remember stopping what I was doing and just typing and the first thing I said was Kumbe Yora no Rudo. And Rudo in my ancestral language, Luo, is a fool, basically. <laughs> and we had a back and forth and I corrected him. And he ended by saying, oh, I guess I'm clueless, you know, a play on legally clueless. But yeah, so th those were some of the things he would do on Facebook that were very interesting. And in our final conversation, I shared with him about grieving mommy. We often spoke about her. And I think this year I have, through therapy, realized how... <laughs> That grief has broken me. I think as much as I acknowledge grief to be just this heavy thing, I, I had underestimated how much it can break you and break your identity, your value system, your beliefs, your view on life, your aspiration, your passion, your pop. Like it, it disrupts and it breaks and it shatters a lot. And I realized one thing that it had birthed is this vicious fear of loneliness. That made me stay in spaces that I didn't really want to be in. Made me not honor my true desires. And I told this to Uncle Peter. And since he was always armed with a quote, he sent me this particular quote. The quote is, <laughs> ironically, when we start to get better, we also often get sad. Because we start to realize how much we've missed out on. How badly certain people failed us. What the younger version of us actually deserved. Healing involves healthy grieving. There's no way around it. And he captioned that quote 
with these words. Live your life to the fullest. And three exclamation marks. <laughs> At the time I was in New York and I obviously had a witty response to him. I, I said, oh, Kumbe, you're, you're deep. <laughs> and he told me he's deeper than the deepest part of Lake Victoria. A few days later, after one of the most spiritually uplifting nights I'd had in New York, it was the night I watched Burna Boy on stage. <laughs> and it, it was raining and I had made such good friends. This one particular lady, I, I just had such a great connection with her. And in one night, she had taught me so much about life. And my co-author, Lanji, and I had also connected so beautifully. And it was just, it was just such a beautiful, spiritually uplifting night. And I remember on the way to the hotel back from our night shenanigans, <laughs> I, I thought of Uncle Peter. I can't explain to you why, but in that moment, I thought of him. And I chatted him and I told him that I loved him dearly. I don't even know what time it was here in Kenya. <laughs> oh, but when I did wake up, he had replied and, and you know, he told me amongst many things um, that he loved me. And a week after that, he was gone. <sighs> so I always say I really do not fear death. Honestly, I don't fear my death. I I'm, am aware it's coming. And my only hope and ask of the universe is that it be painless. That's all. But fearing it, I, I, I don't fear my own death. I think I can very comfortably say that. But what I truly fear is grief. Grief is, woo, it's something. I think it's a relative of love and because of that, it comes with the same intensity. Grief, man, like it's this empty feeling in your stomach. It's, and you know, it's like that empty feeling comes right before you crack, like right before you just collapse and break. There is, it's almost like it's a terrible <laughs> likening, but it's almost like, you know, when you eat something really bad and you stomach it and then there's this lull and then you hear your stomach do a thing and you know that you have five to seven minutes <laughs> to find the nearest bathroom or you are going to be, <laughs> exactly. It's almost like that, that empty feeling with grief. It's like, I feel it in my stomach. It's empty. And I know, wait, 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 wait. I need to get to my bed, which is for me, one of my safest spaces. Get to my car if I'm in a public place. Get my shades. Get my tissue. <laughs> like I have a contingency plan. <laughs> and before all hell breaks loose. Grief is the crying. And I, man, I have cried a lot in my life, mainly over men. <laughs> and when I think about it, I'm just like, ugh. Let me tell you, there's no character development a man can give me now that will... The crying from that, obviously, I will cry. But the crying from that is like two tears compared to the crying that comes from grief. The crying that comes from grief has a pain, a physical pain it comes with. It's the only time other than when I'm cramping, I kind of have to curl into this fetal position because it's painful emotionally, spiritually, and physically, I feel an actual pain in my stomach, similar to cramps when I'm crying about or because I'm grieving someone. Then there's the endless thoughts on what is the point of life then? <laughs> you know what I mean? Or like you're just like, why? 
like dude why 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 like why is this happening and if this is gonna happen anyway what the hell are we we living for what what, why are we even building things what is what is the point you know and you go through that overthinking cycle and these are just but a few things that come with grief i think these long-term effects. There's trying to navigate the acknowledgement that this person is gone. And for me, with my mom, that took me 10 years. And so I, I know I'm panicking about this particular loss because I'm like, what, another 10 years? I do not fear death, but grief. Ugh. What I also wanted to share is some of the lessons in thinking about my relationship with Uncle Peter and what I... I have gathered from that. Yeah, I want to share that with you. I think one thing is that our job here while we're alive is not to be understood. It's to be as centered in living the hell out of this one life that we get. I I think I think that was a constant theme in his quotes, in some of the advice that he'd give me in his life. And even just on a personal level, for me, it's one of the things that I'm now fully understanding this year in that I don't get around two. I don't get around two in this life. I there's not a practice run. The cards have been dealt or the cards have been dealt and it's like how do I make the most of those? How do I make the most of this life that I have that is is not infinite? You know, it it runs out and you can because of how things are structured in the way we live as a community, as a people. It's very easy to be so focused on being understood, being accepted, moving as a pack, that you almost subconsciously sacrifice this gift called life that you got and you stop honoring it. You stop pursuing the journey that was ultimately for you in this very unique life that you have. And you start chasing acceptance and being understood. There are many ways to do this thing called life. And the faster you find yours, the faster you start living the hell out of it. I think I also learned that it's okay to mess up not once, not twice, not thrice, not four times, ten times, twenty times, you know? <laughs> I think it's an integral part of our humanity and humanness is to know that you you will consistent that's probably one of the most consistent things about being a human <laughs> is you will mess up and how do you how do you accept that you know how do you still hold yourself accountable and accept that and and what matters in that moment and I think it's not even how we pick ourselves back up at least that's what I've learned from my uncle in my interaction with him and just like in the last couple of days reflecting over his life but what and obviously the quotes as well. <laughs> but that even in those moments, we can still see our purpose. Either it's kneeling right beside us or it's still right ahead of us, kind of like waiting for us to catch up and grasp it. That's what it is. I always found that in the thick of chaos and, and just negative experiences, I would be so consumed with like, Uncle Peter, this is happening. Like a very narrow and like narrow-sighted um, kind of view to things. Like it's just here that matters. And 
he would always refer to these things that in my life, I was like, this is the worst thing that happens. It is finished. <laughs> He'd always refer to it. And I quote as small matter. So if we talk about something, he'd come back and be like, how is that small matter going? And it was so interesting because it meant he had this bigger view of life and, and, and what purpose was and how common and how everyday messing up or challenges, etc., are, you know, and it's, it's quite interesting. And I remember this year, that's one of the biggest lessons he taught me. It's just like, breathe. How is that small matter? small matter. I think he's also taught me to meet everyone where they are and as they are. My family, if you got into any jam, not only because he was a lawyer, but Uncle Peter was the guy you'd call because he knew his way around this country. (laughs) He knew how to get shit done and done quickly. And it could be a legal matter because he was a lawyer or yesterday in the service, his friends were talking about And quite a few of his friends mentioned that he'd helped them get tenants in their properties who weren't paying rent to finally pay the rent. (laughs) And I was just like, why didn't I know he was a debt collector? You know, in my industry, some people take eons to pay you. (laughs) Could have capitalized on that. But yeah, he, he knew how to get stuff done very quickly. And I think it's because one, he had friends across age, race, economic background, education level, physical location. He knew so many people and so many people felt connected to him. And I think it's because he met them where they are as they are not expecting them to be anything but who they are. So in the event that things need to get sorted, he would know, or he had probably a directory of all these people to, ah, I know my friend so-and-so, I can call this person. I know this, I'll call this person. You know what I mean? And um, I think it's funny and it's, it's, it's so interesting because every family has that person. But like when you peel back from that, you realize to be able to do that and to have those many connections at your fingertip is is you've got to meet everyone where they are. And I think in my interactions with him, and this is something that I've found to be so important and in my relationships going forward, it's something I'm going to and have started intentionally trying to do is to truly see people as they are, to acknowledge that people want to be seen. I have experienced being in a relationship where I didn't feel seen. I didn't feel heard. And this is not only for intimate relationships. This is across the board. Friendships, family relationships, whatever type of relationship. Even even honestly, if I think back to like frustrations at the workplace, it's pretty frustrating when your manager or whatever is not seeing you, is not hearing you. People want to be heard. They want to be seen. And they want people to truly listen to them and hear them. And being able to, To tell him, as I said earlier, you know, to be able to say, hey, I'm not okay or I'm not this, I think truly came from him seeing me, him listening. And I want to be able to, if I love you, create that space for you. I want to truly see you. I want to truly listen. Most of the times what happens is you're listening, but maybe you're listening to reply. So you're not really listening. You're thinking about what your comeback is going to be like. You're listening so you can give advice if somebody's open up, opening up to you. So you're not listening. You're, you're 
thinking of what your response is going to be. And sometimes that's not what's needed. Sometimes it's just the listening and the actual seeing the person. That's what's needed. And then I think also sometimes we center ourselves. So if somebody comes and opens up to you about something, it becomes about you. And that can be really discouraging, you know. And so I've really actually learned this, especially in this last year in my interactions with him, to be like, what is my... it, it feels so good to be seen and it's so good to be listened to. And, and how can I create that space for others? And I, I found that sometimes I struggle with it when it's, it's, it's demanding of me to be inconvenienced or uncomfortable, either in the values I have, et cetera, et cetera. Does this make sense? I, I really hope it does. And in those moments where oh, you're uncomfortable or somebody says something as they're sharing and you immediately feel or go into defense mode, I've had to be like, no, stop, listen to this person, hear them, see them, really see them and, and listen. And, and if, if they ask something and they're not ready to speak about something, see that, listen to that and respect that. Like it's, it's felt so good to get that from him that I want to ensure people that I love get that space as well. Those are, (laughs) he taught me a lot, but those are like some of the things that come to mind. I really don't know how I'll go on without his hearty laugh. Like his laugh was like from his toes. It was real. It was, I don't think he knew how to fake a laugh. Like, and his voice, so commanding, as hearty as, as his laugh, honestly. I don't know how to accept that. I have no one to wittingly tease. It's funny how interactions that can be deemed so basic means so much. Even in the moment, you don't even realize how much they mean until they're gone. I hate that death has done this again. And even more than that, I hate that I have no one to send me a quote to help me navigate this. And I remember as we were preparing for the service, I was asked to like write a tribute and I just could not. I could not. I could not. I I just couldn't find words. I couldn't find words. At the service yesterday, one of my aunts said, oh, you should definitely read a tribute. And I was going to do something and probably just share the last quote he he shared with me. And then I didn't. And she said, you should share a tribute now tomorrow at the burial. And I'm still not sure I will. Because even this episode, I I don't feel like this is, (laughs) this is like encapsulated that con connection especially that I had with him this year and I really don't know what whatever will but I'm I'm happy I'm happy that I have this corner to just not vent but to just gosh have like an unsolicited therapy session with you (laughs) you didn't even know that you're running a therapy service here for me (laughs) and you are (laughs) but like yeah to just voice my thoughts as abstract as they sound maybe in the moment and to to be able to share something with you maybe there's something you know from the lessons I learned from from him or even the quote the last quote he he sent me maybe there's something that you connect with and and isn't that magical that this man you never met could in some way teach you something anyway I'll be okay I truly feel as much as this is like heartbreaking and painful and I'm crying and whatever which are all normal emotions. I feel this year has birthed the most powerful version of me ever. And not by chance, because I've put in so much work 
Remember I told you I have two therapists. <laughs> and, and I've been very conscious. The boundaries work that I've done. I feel at my most conscious in that I'm inching closer to like unlocking a very powerful version of me. So I, I feel like I I wouldn't, I'll navigate this. I'll navigate these feelings. and But I am always antsy about going back home because like my mom's grave is there and I can never truly predict what my emotional reactions gonna be. Some days I'm okay. Sometimes I go there and I'm shattered. So I'm just trying to be like, mm, I don't know what that's gonna be like. So it's a bit antsy, especially for somebody like me who's like a control freak and I want to plan everything. But emotions and grief, way. <laughs> you cannot plan. You cannot plan. So I know this has stepped out of what you normally hear on this podcast. But I really don't think it has, honestly. You know, also, I don't this place to be like so traditional. <laughs> We are centered on amplifying African stories, absolutely, but the stories are human and you learn something about yourself in them and you you feel connected, you feel less alone. And I think in me sharing the things that I'm navigating and being very honest with you on here, I'm still doing that. So I don't think we've ventured too far, but of course you'll have a story in next week's episode. But I think, yeah, thank you for in your own way, contributing to how we've built the space to be able to hold me <laughs> in moments like this. Okay, so I, I actually need to start packing. I'm going to be heading for the burial at like 4 a.m. I booked my flight. I thought I booked a flight for 7 a.m. Hey, how have I just tried to check in and seen it's CG at 6 a.m.? Which means I have to be at the airport at 5, which means I have to be up at at four. Good thing is, because I don't live in Nairobi anymore, I'm going to sleep in Nairobi, which means I have like maybe one hour extra of sleep. <laughs> because if I was going to the airport direct from here, I would have to wake up at like 2 a.m. just to be safe. And ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> so I need to go and pack. I, I don't want to make it seem like I'm going away for a week. I'm literally going for a night. But you know, you know, you know, I'm one of those who packs more than is necessary and then i need to start heading into nairobi but thank you so much for listening to this episode if you want to share your story on this podcast check out the show notes there is a google form fill it out and i will get back to you and make sure you head over to traceradio.co.ke this podcast plays every monday and wednesday at 1 p.m and 11 p.m and every friday at 1 p.m what's really dope is they have this bomb new app that you need to check out. It makes the listening so much easier. So if I were you, I'd check that out. And don't forget, head over to our YouTube channel, watch the video series. It's pretty inspiring. And I will catch you next week in the next audio episode. That's it for this episode of Legally Clueless. You can share this podcast with your friends. You can keep it for yourself. I'm not judging. Just make sure you're here next week for the next episode.